Hey, we're back again with another season of Rhythms of Grace. Yeah, it's good to be back with you here uh, in what I'm hoping for you is a warm and lovely spring. Uh, so, Sung, we're starting a brand new season. Yes. And, and you're calling this one what? Out of, the ashes, Out of the Ashes, which was the series that we have done the last two years over Lent, which walked through the book of Job. And, and part of that theme was just... Uh, like not only Job, but then we can relate of walking through the fire of suffering. Yeah. And we called it out of the ashes and not so much because like the mythical creature of like the Phoenix, <laughs> as mm-hmm. much as the picture of Jesus being risen from the dead and how because of his story, our stories have that hope that yeah. we are, we e- even in this life, no matter how much suffering we go through or trials, that we will rise out of the ashes because of the power of Christ's resurrection. Yeah. And throughout the season, here's the part that I'm really looking forward to. We're having guests all through season oh, five. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> Not yeah. that I don't like talking to you, Sung, but it's going to be super nice to have some other voices in there. Yes, mix. yeah. You know, <laughs> every season we try to do something different and thought this would be a really exciting season. Like, as people come and share their stories after the, after the, after Resurrection Sunday, like, of uh, their stories of being, uh, of rising out of the ashes and just kind of their own resurrection story, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and we have we have some great people lined up. I'm super excited. Yes, yeah, it's gonna t- be great. Today we have very <laughs> special guest. Perhaps I mean the problem is that we're setting the bar so high. <laughs> How will anyone ever rise to the level of our first guest? Wow, it must be Mother Day's coming. Mother's Day coming pretty soon. <laughs> so <And> my birthday, <laughs> <And> your birthday, <laughs> and yes, we've given it away today. We have Joni Kimball. Yes, my mother. Oh, man. Hi, Mom. Hi, <laughs> Mom. <laughs> so, Joni, so good to have you on the show. To hearing your story. I've known you for quite a bit, but this is a great opportunity to know more about your background and your story and what God has done in your life. Yeah. I, what I'm excited about, like, when we started talking about this season, I was ex- I immediately thought of you. Just because I know a little bit of sort of your story of coming to faith, but I was really eager for the opportunity to like get all the details, <laughs> all the things that I may perhaps have forgotten. Um, so, so here's how, here's where I want to start. This is what's been on my mind, especially because I know that you're caring for my grandmother, your mother, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things she's lost a lot of her sort of mental sharpness. Yeah. But the one thing that she hasn't lost is sort of like her devotion. She's a she's been a devout Catholic for as long as I can remember. It's true. Was she that way even as you were a child? Was your family always that way? I've thought about this because I would say as a Catholic, you can be a person who identifies mm-hmm. as Catholic yep. and maybe as that kind of person, you don't necessarily, you may not necessarily go to church all the time or do that kind of stuff. You know, do yeah, yeah. kind of pick and choose what yeah. you want to do. So. Yeah. <laughs> How can I say that graciously? But then we were, then there's the people that were observant mm. and then the people that were devout. Okay. And I would say my family was on the far end, the close to devout end of observant, okay. you know, very observant. Like yeah. we kids all went to Catholic schools for 12 years. We went to church every, every week. We followed the liturgical calendar. Sure. We um, you did all like all first communion and all, all those the you things. did them all you did them all and more you know like the 
the uh, special days, the prayers with the candles, and you light your candle and have your little prayer time and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. I remember, I remember, like you guys had a picture of the Pope in your bathroom, or maybe it was by your <laughs> table. So it's like it's kind of creepy. Right? I just right? have like some the of these memories. The Pope watching you yeah. take a yeah. dump. And there was like a was there like a palm branch behind it or uh-huh. something? Okay. Always, okay. always. <laughs> I, that's, I have I have some like really clear memories of my grandmother's house. And that's, <laughs> and that's one of them. I just hung up a little icon. And I thought, where can I get a palm? Oh, <laughs> really? Behind it? Is that like a thing? Yeah, every year you get palms on Palm Sunday. Oh, and that's where it goes. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. they had a s- my mom had a special like some kind of blessing from the Pope, and it was wow. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so you grew up sort of like almost devout yep. on the on the far end of observant. How how much? You were telling me a super funny story <laughs> about John F. Kennedy when he, when he so because and we'll get to that. But my question is, besides sort of like observing all of these things, yeah. was faith something that influenced like the decisions you made around how you treated others or how you fought as a family or how you related to parents and children? Or was it really sort of strictly in the like church arena? It's kind of in the church arena, Nate, which I've thought about because I've thought that's so strange, you know, that like I didn't really pray about where to go to college or anything like that. Or uh, the thing was, I knew people who were devout, who had their faith that touched their lives in a way that I did not. But it didn't even really occur to me that like. That it was, like, available or that you could, yeah, pursue it. Yeah. No, like, I remember one time we were in church, and there was a girl in our parish, and I think she was blind or something, a little bit younger than me. And we all, you know, file up for communion and stuff. And she came back, and they were sitting directly in front of us. And she, you know, you always knelt down to pray after you got communion. And she said out loud, I love you, God. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, you mm. know, she she has this kind of relationship with God. Yeah. And so but it didn't it wasn't something that I said, "Oh Jesus, I long for this from you" or something. Right. Just What well, the story you were telling me, which is kind of along these lines is that when John F Kennedy was was going to be elected, he was the first Catholic mm-hmm. president potentially, right. and people were freaking out about it. They totally were. But your family, you could, what you guys were like, you guys like, "What's the difference?" <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, kind of like his faith or his him being Catholic isn't going to influence his decision making at all, right? Isn't that kind of how you thought about it? Yeah, there was a there was a joke that I barely understood. It was something about like, did you hear so and so fell in the White House? He tripped over the Pope's luggage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand. I still it. don't get it. It's a, that the Pope was somehow going to be involved oh, in politics. Oh, right. And oh. we were like, what? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No way. Okay. It's so so your family, it's so interesting that even though your family like did all of these things, the things. it was still sort of really like regulated to just church things. Yeah. It's kind of hard to imagine that we could have done all the fasting you know, those were the days of fasting. Those were the days of head coverings in church. Those were the days of, um, like, like if I wanted to go to communion before school, like we had mass every day, mm-hmm. um, my mom would pack me a breakfast as well as lunch because you had to fast before you went to communion, you know. So I was a little grade school kid wow. having, wow. having my breakfast at school. And, like, 
all those things we did. Yeah. We did them all. And I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I felt like I was lacking in faith and I don't think I longed for much different. I think it just was hard to, when I look back and I really think of how it was pre-Vatican too. So it was very much, you know, the Latin mass and all the structure that we had in place in those days. But somehow. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I'm just now remembering is that you even like when you were younger, you lost your older brother in right. a really traumatic way. Totally. And so to imagine that your family was sort of like walking through that without, I mean, do you think, do you think your parents' faith sustained them at all in the midst of that? It did not look like it to oh. me, sadly. And he was 18, right? Or 17, 19. 19. When I look back on it, I mean, they were experiencing such profound grief with no outside help. I mean, I think of our family just riding through on that ship of profound grief because it, it sort of, I've, I've thought about this. It, It, looked to me like my parents somehow thought maybe not that God made a mistake but something along those lines you know that and that was when I really first began to wrestle with the sovereignty of God I knew God was sovereign so I thought like I just thought how how could this happen you know how could this happen and not only that it was like horrible terrible difficult things don't just happen to other people right. out there. Right. They happen to me. Yeah. And so we went through that whole year and doggone it, Nate, I don't remember a single person ever coming up to me and saying, How are you doing? Oh man. How is your family? The, I don't remember the priest ever coming over or anything like that. We just you know, had And and this was this was what was this late fifties, early late sixties. Late sixties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and so part of it, there's a cultural reality that, like, sort of, you know, like sharing about your feelings wasn't really a thing. No, <laughs> that, that, that 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 those generations <laughs> did. But I mean, it sounds like that again. I'm just struck by all of the things that your family was doing around faith. Yeah. And yet, the moment where we would look at it and say faith was sort of most critical it kind of like wasn't there. The community wasn't there as a support network, like no. relationship with God wasn't there as a network They were, or as a, as a support. They were kind of just out there. Somehow it wasn't, even though we continued to do all the things. Yeah. We continued to go to church. I remember at my brother's funeral, one of the nuns from my high school coming up to me and telling me, you must not cry. Oh my gosh. Wow. <gasps> she said, you must be strong for your parents. How old were you? 17. That's a lot of pressure for a 17-year-old who just <laughs> lost their older brother. Yeah. So, I mean, and so I, we've taken a small detour, but I think it weaves in because you you sort of rejected that entirely for, for a number of years, didn't you? Well, I felt like I went through my senior year of high school and I gave it all that I could in my sort of broken state. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave it all that I could and then... But it really was at this point that I kind of began to live my life on two levels. So on one level, just living my life, finishing my senior year, graduating yeah. from high school, finding a college, all that. But on this other level, I began a, like a real 
concerted search for okay if if god if god could allow this you know how could he allow it how does this fit into life as i know it things like that just the deeper questions of life were this this thing that started brewing and i went off to college thinking oh i'll find answers there Mm. Yeah, and again, this was late 60s, so there was a whole cultural revolution Terrible going on. Terrible time to try to sort that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew anything in the 60s. No, and like, you know, and seriously, I tried almost everything in those years because I, like I said, I was on these two levels. The one was just go to school and stuff. And this other level was just like, what's the point here? Yeah. And so it was the genesis of all those things like, feminism environmentalism mm-hmm. uh you know like the health food thing sure i mean civil rights civil social rights, social justice all of that sort of all that stuff was yeah. just at its genesis mm-hmm. but unfortunately at its genesis it was still the same ageist sexist misogynistic stuff that i saw in the culture that they were supposedly leaving we were supposedly leaving and so it was like every single thing that I tried, even drugs and stuff. It was like you didn't do drugs, mom. I sure <laughs> did, honey. I'm sorry to tell you. I tried to keep it a secret for most of your life. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm kind of ashamed of some parts of my past, you know, because in my, I don't know, in my searching, I just, I really did try just about everything. Mm, but I yeah. remember trying like psychedelics or marijuana or something and realizing the next day, well, this is pointless. Wow. I still have to wake up and try to solve this right, problem right. in my life. It's still you know? there. And so, yeah, so it was just, uh, it was a really difficult time. Really difficult. So I felt like it was all this thing that it purported to be like peace and love. Mm. It wasn't. It was just dressed up differently and it was the same old, same oh, old. Oh, man. So, I mean, at this point, you, it's like you had tried sort of everything that you knew mm-hmm. to I try. I even tried Catholicism again. Like when I got into really? college, they had a, a class, you know, for college students that I attended to try to see if this priest could shed any light on what I was experiencing. But I don't think that I could uh, formulate a question that he could actually answer, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just went to this class about Catholicism to try to see if I could find any answers there, but I just didn't. Well, I mean, and again, it's interesting, like, the way that Catholicism was trying to solve issues was sort of like, you have to do these things. So it's like, you go to Mass, and it's, again, it's sort of like, you go to this class, like, that's gonna, and it, you just, it was sort of the same, you know, yeah, the same solution that wasn't gonna work. Yeah. So, you're in this place what like i what i what happens in between you being sort of lost and you and you sort of returning to faith i don't really know that part of the story very much pandora's <laughs> box yeah here right. we go <laughs> it was kind of stair steps down you know what i mean like okay i tried catholicism first we had some like flaming hippie roommates. I did, and mm-hmm. you know, you live. You and Dad always call where you lived a co-op. Well, that was that was after we were married. Oh, this you're was married. when we were just in college. There were like, and we had just got to know each other. We had this group of friends, a lot of hippies. We really identified as hippies, but the 
I've seen the pictures. You were you were in. <laughs> yeah, we were. I would <laughs> love <laughs> to see those pictures. <laughs> to our parents' dismay. I'm sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bibby used to write dad these long letters and her like script telling oh him to man. stay on the straight wow. and narrow. Yeah, because so your family was like devoted Catholic and dad's family was like like straight line like German Why are you growing a beard? <sighs> yeah, right. <laughs> Satan is in the mustache. That beautiful skin, you're covering <laughs> yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. My dad's family was like sort of equally strict on I- in the Protestant, okay. in the Protestant vein. Wow. <coughs> um, okay, so stair steps downward. Sorry, stair steps downward from like one thing to the next because, um, because I I just began to realize more and more and more that the things that I was looking to for solutions were really not solutions. In other words, like the the anti-war movement was important, but at the same time, the leaders to the anti-war movement were saying things like, um, girls say yes to boys who say no. Huh. In other words, like boys who dodge the draft or get right. out of the draft. Right, are going to get laid. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> that is like... <laughs> or right. one of the leaders of the anti-war mov- war movement, now this was early on, before they became a little more enlightened, but one of the early early leaders said the most important position for women in the anti-war movement is prone. Oh my wow. gosh! Can you even? Can you even? <laughs> and the other thing was, there was no birth control. Right. There was no abortion. So a woman, if she wanted to live in this, you know, free love in quotes environment. I mean, tremendous amount of risk. Totally. My my. Uh, the girl that lived next door to me in the dorm got pregnant. She just dropped out because mm. hard choices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm struck by the irony that you mentioned before about like, you know, the '60s being this movement of quote unquote liberation from the '50s, the restrictive kind of uh, '50s, and. and it, while it seems liberate like liberation uh, on one level, maybe at a surface behavioral level, it, it it's another layer of imprisonment. Totally right. It's like they just shifted. They just shifted sort of the imprisonment to somebody else. It's like they picked their they picked where they wanted to be free, right. and someone else still has to pay the price. I mean, the Vietnam War was a terrible mistake. We all know that, and that was an important movement. Mm-hmm. And equal pay for equal work, you know, those were really important issues that just began to yeah. surface, and those ha- types of things were important. Um, environmentalism, you know, that's very important, but at the same time, there were a lot of other things that were really out of place in yeah. those days. And the drugs, you know, the drugs were everywhere. They weren't regulated. You took a risk there, mm-hmm. too. So, like, you had to know somebody who knew somebody if you wanted to try this, but you were still risking it. Yeah. So was there a moment where you hit what we'd call rock bottom? Totally. An experience or a moment and then and then ha- like like the, like the story of the prodigal son share about the moment where you kind of quote unquote came to your senses. Yeah. Um Like I said, it was really a a process of stair stepping down because when I realized the there were no answers in college, really. There were really no answers in these uh, movements that were afoot there. Um, I dropped out of school, and 
I took a big hippie road trip. I think I've said very little to you about that, but I did that. Is this one of those things you're trying to hide again? (laughs) Yeah. Was it with the Volkswagen? (laughs) No, it was a van, though, and we went all the way down to Mexico, but it was like, why? (laughs) (laughs) To get more drugs down there. (laughs) You know, really, God saved my life down there because we ran into these American kids down there, and they were like, you guys... We just got mushrooms. You want to go out with us in the desert and trip? I'm like, go out in the desert and die? No, <laughs> I don't want to. So, anyways, things like that. So that's one of the lower ste- we're on the one of the lower steps there, <laughs> totally, right? Totally. And so when I came back um, through a long series of events, we ended up living in Grand Rapids, and um, I I was really at a point where I was just really deeply discouraged. I remember walking outside of my little crummy apartment and just looking up at the sky and just saying, what is the point? Mm. What is the point? I couldn't find it. I felt like I had searched everywhere. I mean, everywhere you knew. Yeah. People could differ, but I felt like I had looked, you know, searched everywhere. And, um, it was really my lowest point. I was really discouraged, really depressed. I wouldn't say I was like, it was the two levels. You know, there was the one level where I had friends and stuff, yeah. and I was trying to go back to school. But on this other level, it was just no peace. Right, the soul level oh. in some ways, yeah. Yeah, pretty devastating down there. So, um, <clears throat> what was the turning point? Yeah, what did you do? Well... <laughs> <laughs> There was a girl, a saved hippie, living downstairs from me at my crummy little apartment. She was married, and her husband was going to Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music. Okay. And she saw me, and she uh, reached out to me. And she wasn't like my best friend or anything, but she, she noticed me, you know. And she kept inviting uh, Tom and I over for dinner. And we knew she was a Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. And finally, I said to Dad, look, we're going to have to go over there for dinner. She's just going to keep asking, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it over with, you know. <laughs> let's get it over with. <laughs> oh, funny. And so, um, so we went over, and her husband was in a class or something, so it was just her there. Her name was Jamie. And she said to us, I know that anybody who comes into my apartment, that God wants me to talk to them about himself. Mm. We were like, here we go, you know. Mm. But somehow, like, you know, she fed us a really nice little supper. She had two little kids. And somehow in in the course of like about, I don't know, an hour or two, she was really able to frame the gospel for me, like that the the saving work of Christ on the cross and what it meant to receive that work into my life in a more personal way than I had ever known. You know, that, that it wasn't just this ceremony yeah. thing out there, yeah. but it was like something that you actually said yes to on your own. And... Um, I really thought about that. And so I asked her, um, how, you know, how do you do this? And she said, well, you just read the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I had never looked at a Bible, you know, in all my years. And she gave me a Bible. And um, 
you know, I started to read it. And I started to read it in Genesis, of course. And then she saw me, you know, a little bit later. She never yeah. badgered us or anything. She just was sort of casually interested. And she did tell us her life story. I mean, she was a she was a um, a saved hippie who had been uh, delivered from heroin addiction, like wow. like wow. that, you know. So, um, so she told me to read in the New Testament, and so I started reading. She didn't want you to get stuck in Leviticus, <laughs> right? <laughs> or where, or where God? We talked about this in the yeah. Old Testament where God kills all those babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind the Old Testament, <laughs> guys. You guys that have grown up as cr- as Christians, I've always envied you. <laughs> but anyhow, um, I didn't. So I well, I I grew up yeah, in a Christian a home. Yeah. <laughs> so you're reading the New Testament. I now. was, and I was really thinking, and I I've thought about this so many times in later years that you know how when you go to pick in a garden, and you have like a tomato, and it's just like you touch it and it falls right off. That's yeah. where I was at, mm. and so I was mm-hmm. reading. Surprisingly, the book of Hebrews just answered all my questions you know really one by one by one by one like was it the whole idea of christ is greater than all these things or what what, yeah we can can come to the throne of grace you know Mm -hmm. and find mercy wow you know help in our time of need and Mm -hmm. things like that and it answered some of my questions that i had then i no longer have about the catholic church i can't remember what Mm. is in there about that but somehow everything just clicked Mm. and uh so um, all by myself in my crummy little apartment, <laughs> wow. you know, I just asked Jesus to come into my life. And uh, I am not even kidding you. I felt like my life just, I know I've said this to you before, but I just felt like my life just went from this. Just to like this. a total flip. Just like a flip. flipped mm-hmm. completely over. I felt like a thousand ton weight <laughs> was lifted off oh my, my soul. Wow. It was it was the most remarkable thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. Wow. It's like a Damascus Road experience in your crummy little apartment. My crummy little apartment, <laughs> all by myself, yeah. Wow. And um, I was so happy. I was so, so happy. You know, mm. I just, th- I knew that that was what I had been looking for mm. for my entire life. And it just changed everything for me in a wow. moment. Isn't that wild? That is wild. Yeah. yeah. It is wild. I was so happy. Just so grateful to God. And, you know, I I didn't know about Christianity. I didn't know anything about it. And I know I've told you this before, but I remember this girl, Jamie, she said to me, you know, jo- Joni, you want to think about going to church? Mm. And I was like, church? There's probably other Christians there. How great. <laughs> like you didn't even... I, Again, this is so amazing to me, uh, the way that God m- met you I- in sort of such um, a per- deeply personal way. Because in so many, so much of your story is saying, like, there's these two levels. And on a personal level, like, you're, you, it was never modeled for you that, that a relationship with God could impact your personal decisions. Right. You know, it was never right. modeled for you that, that all of these things that the Catholic Church was doing were meant to sort of move your soul in a direction and so it's just amazing that that's where god spoke to you like one-on-one like no hype no sort of drama just literally a soul change which is where you you, there wasn't anything man totally and some things happened right around that time like this girl and her husband broke up Mm. 
And it didn't even affect my faith at all. I didn't think, well, that was fake. Nothing. Mm. It was just like, Jesus was there. He had saved me. I once was so lost. And I'm found now, you know. It didn't affect that aspect of my life at all. So but so did you end up going to church then? I did. I went to this super conservative, I think you know this, I went to this super conservative church in Grand Rapids. Not a single solitary soul ever said anything to me. Hmm. I looked like a flaming hippie. You know, I still had all the hippie garb. I didn't really have anything else to wear. <laughs> right, what else were you going to wear, right? <laughs> and I was so grateful to God. I would just weep mm. at every single service. So probably yeah. to other people around me, it was like this <laughs> mentally disturbing. Oh, you just showed up and just cried for the whole time. I did. Oh, man. I did. I was so grateful. Mm-hmm. So... God really met me there. And there were certain things that I just, I knew that I could never marry dad unless he was a believer. You know, Mm -hmm. I loved him, but I just couldn't. It's strange to me now that as a believer of like a couple months, Mm -hmm. I knew that that I, conviction, I -hmm. knew that I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So, so how long after that did Tom come to faith in Christ and how did that happen? Well, it took him a little while because I said to him, Tom, you've got to see this look at what's in the Bible. Because I was reading things about, like, love is patient, love is kind. Like <laughs> it was like your f- mind was, like, blown. It was, <laughs> it was totally blown. But he probably, like, grew up going to Sunday school and everything, and, like, he had heard it all before. He said, that is a fairy tale joke. Oh, Don't wow. even. I didn't care. I was just <laughs> like, Jesus is going to take care of everything. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't care. I did not huh. care about one thing. I used to drive in my crummy old station wagon, happy as anything. Thank you, God. You're just going to take care of everything in my life. Mm. So it took him a while. Okay. But he saw such a drastic change sure. in me oh, yeah. that it, he, he used to not believe in it. But then he thought, what if she's right? Mm. You know? That's how you get my dad. <laughs> you might be wrong. Oh, man, he'll think about that forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few things that stick out about your story, Joni, is um, one, just that the the power of a uh, just a personal relationship and a connection a- as a believer to somebody that on the outside might seem like they're perfectly fine with their life. I, I think just reminding us as believers that um, everyone has a story, everyone is carrying their their like their baggage and that just even one simple act of kindness and love and reaching out can really change not only a life, but in your case, your life and your family generations down. Absolutely. And up and up because it really affected our parents Mm. when they saw us acting and living in faith. Wow. You know, I'm so grateful. Jamie took a chance on me. Yeah. She didn't have to. Yeah. She didn't have to. Yeah, and then I think about it. I have three brothers. We all have families, you know. Um, All of us have been, if not on staff at churches, like highly involved in ministry, and we're raising our children in faith. So you see sort of like this, from your sort of like lowest point, sort of like the, 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 you know, resurrection of all of these lives that sort of spill out. It's amazing. It's amazing to think about. It really is. I'm so grateful to God, you know. Mm. 
I think the other thing I see too is you, you were talking about how Jamie, her and her husband kind of broke up later on. And, and I think that's just a reminder, like God uses us as imperfect people, uh, broken people yeah. who, who struggle with sin. And so I think because sometimes, especially in the church world, there's a sense of like, well, I, I'm just so messed up. How could God even use me? Yeah. I'm divorced. I'm this or that. Like, there's no way God could use me. And I, that's just not true. No, no. I'm so grateful to that woman. Mm-hmm. I lost track of her over the years, but I've often wondered what happened to her. Yeah. So uh, you said something else that I thought was really interesting as we were sort of prepping for the podcast, which is which is like where where the echoes of where the echoes of that sort of rock bottom moment still come through your life. You said that you've actually you well, why don't you why don't you tell me what you said? I don't need to say it. Well, <laughs> some leading questions are innate. <laughs> I'm probably going to feel like an attorney. Just yes or no, please, ma'am. <laughs> I think that I've when I've faced low moments, low, low moments, like when I miscarried and things mm-hmm. like that, I knew the answer to this was somehow in God. The answer to my grief, you know, I knew that it wasn't outside of God. When, you know, Dad and I have had difficult times in our marriage, I knew that the answer was in God some kind of way, even if I couldn't find it, you know, and so. Because you tried so many other things. I did, and I found that those things just were dead ends, you know, that somehow God in his eternity and in his love and in his Jesus somewhere there's an answer yeah. there. I mean, it, what uh, part of what you're saying is kind of like none of those other things you tried had an impact on the on the soul level, no. which is where I think you where we know transformation actually happens. I mean, yeah. we can do I, I mean, there's a there's a push pull between like disciplines in order to sort of bring your soul where you want it to be, but really soul transformation is what creates the lasting change that makes a marriage work or makes you be the type of parent that you want to be or, you know, navigate grief or stress or, or worry. Difficulties yeah. in life, you know, because we raised a family. That's just a lot of people and a lot of situations. It was a lot of people and a <laughs> lot of situations. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a whole lot of situations going on in our house. You drove me to my knees, baby. <laughs> So before we started recording, Joni, you, you said something about like what like made you leave the church and then why you came back. I think I think it was like a uh, it's been like a pendulum swing. So I at first when I first came to Christ, I thought, well, Catholicism is over here and Protestantism. I don't know if you guys even call it that, but that's what we did as mm-hmm, Catholics. Mm-hmm. Like Protestantism is over here, but I think that as I've gone along in life, there's 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 a lot of wonderful things about the mm-hmm. Catholic Church mm-hmm. that I now see, and like you said, Nate, like my mom is still very deeply observant of mm-hmm. her faith. Mm-hmm. You know, she loves to pray. She likes to go to communion. She's very devout in her way. And I, I mean, this is a, this is not meant to be disrespectful at all but there's not a lot else going on upstairs with your mom right now honestly i mean she's a sweet woman but you you've told me that like her her short-term memory is essentially non-existent at this totally. point and yet there there are these there are sort of le- these disciplines that god is now using in her life to to they sort carry of carry her yeah, yeah. they carry yeah. her yeah at this point yeah. so interesting isn't it mm-hmm. yeah it is 
Well, that is as good of a story as I hoped it was going to be. Was it? Yeah, it really was. I uh, that was. I know it was for me, <laughs> <laughs> because I was at a pretty low point. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, yeah. I'm grateful she took a chance on me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mom, for telling your story and being transparent. Um, I think, I think again, just to reiterate what Sung said, I'm struck by how, at the. At relationship with that woman and then like your relationship with dad and then like your relationship with us, how much God has used that to, 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 as a transformative work, like in people's lives. I just think that's, man, and that's still true today. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how God works. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's not through a lecture or sermon, yep. but it's through people and relationships. Yeah. People are watching. I always say this to my young friends. Yeah. People are watching. They're yep. watching how you live. Yep. They're watching. Like especially parents, yeah. I think. Oh, I, so we some of the best advice that we ever got was from uh, some good friends of ours, Jack and Cindy Ballin. We were just asking them because they raised their children in faith, and when when I was first having kids, we just sat down with them and asked them what, and they said, you know, if you can genuinely love one another as a family, that is more of a testimony to mm -hmm. to who God is than anything else you could say or do. And we were like, oh, we took that seriously. And then uh, several years later, we heard from someone. She was like, you know, I was talking to my neighbor, and she said that whenever you guys come over to my house, she will sit at her window and watch you guys, like, in the backyard with us because she's never seen people that love their kids, like, so genuinely. So, again, there's this whole mm -hmm. thing where, like, the transformative work of God, like, flows outward. And, and yes. I know, like... We don't want to make this, uh, you know, out of the ashes. It's it's not it's it's not just like it goes back to what it was. Like transformation flows outward, mm -hmm. um, and I, it's just it's just amazing to see that that continues to be true. Joni, thanks for sharing your story and, and being our guest here today. It was so good to have you. And please bring pictures of your hippie days. Yeah, we're gonna uh, have to find. We didn't have Sunday. digital cameras back then, hey, so you know, very few, <laughs> very few. Bring a bring a uh, uh, um, a printout, and I'd love to see that. Yeah. So thank you again, everyone, for being with <laughs> us uh, for this episode of Rhythms of Grace. We hope you join us again. We're going to have guests for this entire season. More stories of transformation next week. Thanks again. <laughs>